Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Ghost Ghost Hoops with myself, Craig Spears, and now part of the Easton Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you guys. In my opinion, in terms of the offseason, Monday was the most rambunctious day of player movement that we wound up seeing, so we're going to be recapping that with Brian Roth. We wound up seeing a few teams, they wound up bringing in some big-time players, you wound up seeing a few teams that... Well, they wound up getting the short end of the stick, so we're going to be talking to Brian about that, and we're also going to be talking about some of these teams that they may not have gotten the biggest players, but some of the players that are most meaningful to what they're going to be bringing to the table for this next season is something to take a look at. I'm talking about a guy like a Dawson Garcia that is going from North Carolina to Minnesota. I mean, a good transfer, but I don't think that he was like a top five transfer by any stretch of the imagination, but him going to a school like Minnesota, that's very meaningful for a school like Minnesota. So we're going to be diving into that. We're going to be talking about some of these mid-major schools that have really been able to do some great work in the transfer portal and a team out there in the West Coast Conference that they wound up having a rough day on Monday. And then in the final segment, it's going to be north of 40 minutes long, by the way, but I'm going to be recapping everything that we want to see in player movement on Monday. Didn't really see any coaching moves. Saw a couple NBA draft decisions, but we saw a lot of guys decide where they're going to be going to school at. And we also saw a pair of very, very highly touted guards decide to enter into the transfer portal as well. So we've got a busy one in the final segment of the podcast today. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, the letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Only question I've really been getting the last few days is, are we going to be seeing a lot of what we wound up seeing in terms of guys being eligible immediately, any waivers that wind up getting struck down because we didn't have any last year? Are we going to be seeing more of the same this season? And until I wind up seeing the NCAA wind up saying, you know what? Your waiver has not been approved. You can't wind up playing this year. I'm assuming that all these guys are going to be eligible, but... That is something that is a little bit subject to change. The COVID year has really changed the game in a lot of respect for this. But with that said, as of right now, I am just proceeding as if everyone that transfers, they're going to be eligible immediately. If we do wind up seeing guys not be eligible, you're going to be hearing about it on the podcast. I'll be letting you guys know, hey, don't wind up marking this guy in when you wind up doing your evaluation of Team X, Team Y. So I'm keeping my eyes on that. But as of right now, I'm assuming that all these guys are going to be eligible and 
We are always eligible for having great guests on this podcast. Brian Rolf does a great job over there at EHXCBB. Also does a podcast of his own, the Open Rolf Podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get this fine podcast. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to recap the absolutely insane day of player movement that we want to see on Monday in college basketball. And that's up next right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too, because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource, and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. 
If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. And now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guests as we head out there to the great state of North Carolina. And that's where we find Brian Roth. 
He does a great job over there at Heat CBB. He also has a podcast of his own, the Hope and Roth Podcast. Why I say it's spelled R A U F, and that is a podcast. You're able to find wherever you get this podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. List goes on and on. Does great work over there at Heat Check CBB, which you're able to follow on Twitter at Heat Check CBB all together. And for Brian on Twitter, that's at B Rob thirty three B R A U F, and then the numbers three and three. And Brian, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And Brian, it is great that we are talking on this day because, boy, we wind up seeing absolutely no shortage whatsoever of news in college basketball on Monday. It is certainly a moan of it. And when it comes down to it, I think that there were a lot of teams that wound up getting a whole heck of a lot better on Monday. When it comes down to it, what was your biggest takeaway? Because for me, I take a look at some of these schools that they just needed someone to come in. And the Dawson Garcia transfer over to Minnesota, that's one that I think wound up having the most significance to the team that wound up picking him up on Monday. I agree with you. That was going to be the first place I went because Minnesota had, I think, better than expected here last season, even though I don't think anybody would classify it as a success. What it was very clear they were lacking was a top-end score or just top-end talent. It felt like they had a team full of role players, but nobody who could elevate the team or the players around them in a way that Dawson Garcia might be able to. Right? He's a former five-star prospect, impact player at both Marquette and UNC. Left UNC about January to be closer to home. Some family issues I think he was dealing with. And so this checks that box for him, but also gives him the opportunity to be the feature guy on a team that needs a feature guy. Totally agree with you. I do think that that's going to be big. A guy that actually wound up playing his high school basketball out there in the state of Minnesota as well. So he is going to be coming back home and with a lot of teams getting better on Monday. And there was a lot of them. I do think that we also need to spend a little bit of time on a few teams that they wound up taking some big blows. I take a look at BYU losing both Gideon George and Caleb Lawner. And that's going to be tough because BYU, they didn't necessarily have the year that we were expecting last year when they wound up being able to get that nice win over Oregon. We were all raving about how this team was perhaps going to be able to be in the top 25 when it's all said and done. They wind up losing those guys. And as we know, Alex Barcel, he's not out of eligibility as well. And when it comes down to it, I really feel like a big loser for Monday. Got to be taking a look at BYU, and it's hard to not have them. Maybe not at number one because losing Tyrese Hunter for Iowa State is big, but got to be in the top three for that. Absolutely. I think we're looking at the first real inflection point of Mark Pope's tenure at BYU because for the most part, he had been building, had very successful teams that had been building, reloaded, of course, but there was no real setbacks, but let's put it that way. And this year, the injury to the front court eventually became too much for them to overcome, really derailed them down the stretch. And now you have you know, two of your better players leaving the program. You know, this is going to be a little bit more than a reload, right? He's going to have to really retool some things, and BYU is probably going to take a sizable step back this season, which is fine and can be expected. Schools like BYU can cycle up and cycle back down with really good coaches like Mark Pope is, but this is his first real, I think, test of, okay, let's keep this going. Can it be a program that can withstand some negative momentum and get things going back on the right track? I think it will. I think he's a good enough coach to do that. I think that Mark Pope is going to be able to overcome it. And I do think that the move for BYU going to the Big 12 soon, that should be able to help them out as well. But the question is, is that going to be helping them out this year? Is that going to be helping them out a little bit more in future years? That is a big question that we've got there. As 
we do a Brian Ralph of Heat Check CBB joining me right here on the podcast. And then when it comes to what we wind up seeing on Monday as well, something that I've been talking about a lot on this podcast is that the transfer portal seemingly wound up having a little bit of a shortage of star guards in there. And well, we wound up seeing two very impactful ones. Yuri Collins from St. Louis, he is now in the transfer portal. And we wound up also seeing Tyree Sunner go in there as well. Obviously, different strokes for different folks with both of these guys. Tyree Sunner, very much a plus defender, a guy that is just not going to light it up from three-point range. But this guy, one of the best on-ball defenders in all of college basketball. And Yuri Collins wound up leading all of college basketball in terms of assists per game last season. But now, all of a sudden, a transfer portal that really didn't have a lot of guards in there. You wound up having a few very good top-flight guards like Nigel Pack along with Kendrick Davis, and then you wind up having a big drop-off from there. All of a sudden, there's now options if you wind up striking out on those big two with Collins and Hunter entering in there. Absolutely, and they're huge blows to both of those programs to Iowa State and St. Louis. Iowa State was counting on Hunter to kind of step into more of an offensive role, more of a featured role with Isaiah Brockington moving on. He was supposed to be the next guy for Iowa State, and now they're scrambling trying to replace him. And St. Louis was a team that a lot of people had pegged in, in way too early top 25 polls as being a breakout team this year or next season, as liking what they had returning. And Collins was a huge part of that. Now, without him, you're looking at a St. Louis team that isn't going to have that preseason top 25 buzz. Probably won't be in the preseason mix for the, the A-10 preseason mix to win the A-10. St. Louis is still a very, very talented team, but you mentioned Collins leading the nation in assists. He was so vital what they did offensively his playmaking and it's a team in a roster that can be offensively stunted at times and so now to lose your your best initiator and playmaker is a huge huge blow for a Billikens team that was at least as of earlier today expected to have a pretty big year that looks like it may not be the case now yeah both of these programs did wind up taking massive blows especially an Iowa State program that they just didn't wind up having a whole bunch of depth last season now the good news for Iowa State is that it's not like this is a team that they need to go out there and get some sort of a 20-point score because they really didn't have much other than Isaiah Brockington last season. But Brockington winds up going pro. Now you wind up losing Tyree Sunner as well. We saw TJ Otzelberger wind up doing wonders with Iowa State in year number one. And it just feels like a good fit in general. But now I think the follow-up from a, we're going to call it what it is, very much overachieving year number one. Sometimes you can be sort of the victims of your own overachievements, and that could be the case for Iowa State here, year number two under Otzelberger. Yeah, I would caution Iowa State fans against getting your expectations too high for this team. There's still plenty of portal work that can be done. Iowa State now has minutes and, and offensive production to sell to teams or to players that are in the portal, which we've seen work well for Iowa State for pretty much the last 10 to 15 years, but I don't think you can expect to replicate last season's success. People not only have a year of tape on Otzelberger's system at Iowa State and what he wants to do there in the Big 12, but also they did overachieve, I think, relative to talent level, and Otzelberger and that roster deserves a lot of credit for that, but now you're retooling some of the, the most key spots on that roster that did not have the largest margin for error on the offensive end. Now you're retooling that. I don't think Lightning's going to strike twice there, so I do think Osselberger is a great fit at Iowa State. I think he is building something that can be sustainable there. I mean, nobody thought they were going to get to the Sweet 16 in his first year, certainly. This might be a bit of a step back. I don't think we're going to see a, a linear trajectory from them this year. 
No question, I think that it's going to be a very difficult act for Iowa State to follow up. Bringing in Sam Hines, that's a nice piece for them, but at the same time, Sam Hines trying to replace Isaiah Brockington along with Tyree Sutter, let's call it what it is. And it's just not necessarily a fair comparison, as we do a Brian Roth of He Checks CBB joining me right here on the podcast. And when it comes to guys that wound up entering in the NBA draft, we haven't necessarily seen a lot of surprises like Jalen Duran wound up entering into the NBA draft on Monday. Christian Coloco enters into the NBA draft on Monday. No real surprises there. You figured that both of these guys were going to be as good as gone, and both of these schools were going to need to retool a little bit from there. But when it comes to more of the guys that they're sort of on the fringe, they're deciding whether or not they're going to be returning to school, whether or not they're going to be going into the NBA draft, or our favorite, and we've seen a lot more of this in recent years, guys that they wind up pulling their name out of the NBA draft, but instead decide that they're going to be entering into the transfer portal or a few to watch out for, because no question, I think the KJ Williams, who's over there at Murray State, that is a big one. I was going to say Kendrick Davis, but seems like he's just in the transfer portal in general. But out of some of these guys that are sort of borderline, who do you think could wind up making the biggest impact if they do wind up returning? So in terms of guys who could potentially transfer and looking at transfer or the draft, KJ Williams, to me, you mentioned him, is, is the big one. He's the rating Ohio Valley player of the year. He was an ECOG for Murray State on the inside there. He's somebody who can go play big minutes at a power conference school right away and have an impact. He's certainly not the same same player. I would expect him to have a Kevin O'Banner type impact. He got one from Oral Roberts to Texas Tech. Took him you know, five or ten games to get his feet wet, but then became one of Texas Tech's featured players down the stretch. Bryson Williams, you could throw in that mix too. Uh, going from Utah to Texas Tech took them a, a little bit to find their role and get settled, but then were featured players for a really good power conference team that May the second weekend. I think Williams can have that kind of impact if he goes somewhere else. But if we're looking at draft and returning to school, I might be a little biased given how high I am on, on the current roster there. But I think David Roddy's decision makes Colorado State extremely interesting. From NBA circles, an extremely intriguing prospect. He's you know, 6'6", 250. He can play all five positions. He can guard all five positions. He's got quick feet. He can handle the ball. Like, He's one of the most unique guys, and NBA teams, the more they watched him last season, fell more in love with him to the point where, you know, now, I think maybe a month or two ago, I don't think it was really a question of if he would come back or not. Now I think it's a legitimate question because he's getting really good feedback from NBA teams. If he leaves, you know, Colorado State still has a good roster, but not a roster that I think can win the Mountain West necessarily. If he comes back, not only are they in the mix for Mountain West favorites with, with San Diego State, but I think you're looking at a preseason top 25, top 20 team that will hope to build on last season's NCAA tournament appearance. Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that his decision is going to be really, really big. And a couple other decisions that were big on Monday as well. I just take a look at what's being built at UNLV. And I think that they're going to be helping out a Mountain West that it was very good this season. Now, I don't think that they're going to be getting four bids to the NCAA tournament this upcoming season. I just think that there's going to be quite a few people that are sour on the league after what we want to say in the NCAA tournament this season. But bringing in Elijah Parquet, along with Elijah Harkless, so two Elijahs for the price of one is what they wound up getting on Monday. That's absolutely massive. Being able to take someone from Colorado in Parquet that he wasn't a double-figure scorer or anything like that, but was a key cog in Colorado's guard rotation. And then a guy in Harkless who he actually was a double-figure scorer at Oklahoma for a school like UNLV, that's absolutely massive. And I take a look at them going over to the Mountain West, and I think that they should be able to tear it up right away. And I take a look at what is being built over there by Kevin Kruger, and I am very high now on UNLV with these two pickups. I think I am too. Yeah, I don't know if they're an NCAA tournament team. 
but I think you should expect UNLV to at least get to the NIT this year, and, and I don't think that's stretched by any means. I mean, you're looking at a, a program under Kruger who I think overachieved last season. It was a bit of a slow start, but things really started clicking later in the season. They were playing some of their best basketball uh, down the stretch in February and early March. That, to me, is a sign of a good coach who got, hit the transfer portal hard. I think he got seven or eight transfers to UNLV last year. Like That team was pretty much all transfers, and now he's hitting it again, and as we saw last season, took a little bit, but got them playing at a really high level uh, later in the season. That keeps up. At least this team goes in the same trajectory. I think UNLV could be a team that may be in like bid-stealer territory come March, but I think certainly should have at least NIT expectations. No question about it. I think that UNLV did a very good job being able to pick up some talent on Monday, and when it comes to what we've all got out there in the transfer portal as well, we wound up seeing quite a few cogs decide where they're going to be going to college at, but you still do have the big guns out there. You've got guys like a Kenneth Lofton. You still have Fadas Amick. You still have we're going to throw out there Kendrick Davis, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier. So a lot of these top 10 transfers, I would say at minimum, according to a lot of those lists, seven of them are on the board in a lot of people's expectations. And hey, we still might get another one or two because, I mean, we saw it on Monday. Yuri Collins, probably a top 10 transfer, regardless of where you wind up looking there. I would put Tyrese Hunter in that mix as well. So we wind up seeing a lot of talent wind up entering into the portal on Monday. But when it comes to the guys that we know are in it right now, which decision do you think is going to be the biggest? Because I just still go back to Kendrick Davis and wherever he winds up going, I feel like all 358 plus D1 teams should be putting their name in the hat for him. Wherever he winds up going, I think that that is going to be the biggest move this offseason because I think they can really play in any system and he can elevate any program that he winds up going to. I'm with you. I think some of the impact involves fit. And I'll throw Manny Bates out there as an example. NC State transfer big man, one of the best shot blockers in the entire country. If he goes to the right program and can be that defensive stopper, Manny Bates can be one of the season's most impactful transfers without necessarily scoring 15, 20 points a game. However, if you're talking about just general overall player who can make an impact no matter where he goes, Kendrick Davis has to be the choice. He was SMU's best player each of the last probably two, three years. Some of the best players in the American, more than ready to step up to the power conference level and be not just an impact player, but I think a featured guy. And so some of the schools he's looking at, he would be a featured guy, not the featured guy. If he can step into a role like that, I think suddenly you're looking at a team that might go from a top 15, top 10 team to a national championship contender. Yep, if he can be sort of like what Remy Martin was, not in conference play when he was injured, because, well, when yep. he was off the floor, he wasn't able to do much, but in the NCAA tournament, where he was giving you right around 10-ish points per game, he was able to do a good job with his defending. We saw what he was able to do in the national title game, being able to bury four threes. If he's able to do that, yeah, he can certainly be a number two cog on a team that winds going to like a Final Four. Or If he is a feature guy, I still think that in a team in which he is a feature guy, he could not just take them to the NCAA tournament, but win a few games in the NCAA tournament. As I felt like SMU had a little bit of a gripe to perhaps get into the tournament this season as well. So going to be really interesting to see where he winds up going there. And Brian, I know you, much like myself, wind up just getting yourself under an avalanche of what we wind up seeing in college basketball Monday. That wound up being just a big giant day of movement. And I know that you guys over there at Heat Check CBB, you, much like myself, 
are doing a great job of being able to follow all of this, taking a look at the ramifications for the schools that wind up losing these transfers, the positives for the schools that wind up gaining these guys in the transfer portal. I know that you are all very hard at work, so love to get people at home, know how they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BRalph33, spelled B-R-A-U-F-33. You're right on with that. Everything at HeatcheckCBB.com this offseason is dedicated to all the transfer movement, most impactful transfers of the top-end guys. We're breaking down what they bring to the new schools. You know what to expect there. Again, HeatcheckCBB.com. And as I refresh my screen right now, according to Verbal Commits, 1,389 players in the transfer portal and that number is not going to be going down as we go about it in the offseason. So there's a lot to break down. And the gentlemen at TGXCBB, they're some of the best in the business at being able to do so. And today it was Brian Ralph who wound up joining me on this podcast. So big thanks to Brian for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast set. And it's going to be a long one that we recap everything that we want to see in college basketball on Monday. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. And now part of the Decent Family Podcast. And it is always a pleasure to get our good friend Brian Ralph on this show. Does amazing work over there at HXCBB. And really, all the guys at HXCBB, they do amazing work today. It was Brian who wanted to join me. It is always a pleasure to get him aboard. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment and the Open Ralph Podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get this podcast, which he is a part of. Now let's take a look at everything that we wound up getting in terms of news and notes in college basketball on Monday. Really not a lot of coaching news. If something comes across last minute, that'll be at the end. But whew, we wound up seeing a lot of player movement. Not necessarily any of the big guns, but a lot of ancillary pieces. A lot of guys are going to be making contributions and a few big guns entering into the transfer portal. They wound up doing so on Monday. Let's first talk about A.J. McGinnis, who is going to be going from Cincinnati. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and he is going to be heading to Lipscomb. Someone who began his career at UNC Greensboro, always with Greensboro, wound up putting up right around six points per contest. Guy that shot 34% from three-point range, went to Cincinnati. Following his coach, Wes Miller, was hoping for some minutes, just did not wind up really getting out there on the floor. And at Lipscomb, he's got a chance, in my opinion, to be able to see some very solid minutes. Lipscomb has had the same guard lineup for like three or four years. None of these guys have necessarily been able to take off. He's got a relatively high ceiling. I think that this is going to be a good spot for him. Lipscomb, a team pretty solid on offense, not so solid on defense. So he should be able to bring some defensive tenacity to them. R.J. Ogum, he decided that he was going to be transferring away from Purdue-Fort Wayne, and someone while he was at IPFW this last season wound up putting up right around 3.5 points per contest, just could not really get out there on the floor in general. Wound up shooting 66.7% from three-point range as a 6'5", 240-pound, little bit of a bowling ball-style player, so if he's able to stay out there on the floor, might be able to do a little bit of something, but injuries wound up marring his season last season, so he is out there in the transfer portal. Logan Landers has decided that he's going to be going away from Kansas State. Got to feel like this is someone that is going to try to go down to a lower level and see some quality basketball, and 
reason why I know this gentleman, from Cedarburg, Wisconsin. I have friends that went to high school over there. Wound up putting up about a point and a rebound per contest. Somebody's 6'9", 215 pounds. If he winds up going down to a low slash mid-major level, he's got a chance to really be able to tear it up. If he tries to go to another power conference team, he's not going to be seeing a lot of minutes. So that's where he's sort of at. He has decided that he's going to be entering in the transfer portal. Jameer Moultrie, he has decided that he is going to be going from Kennesaw State. Go Owls. And he is going to be heading to Canisius. This last season at Kennesaw State, I was expecting a little bit more out of him because why was that NC Central during the 2020-21 season was a small sample size, but put up 9.5 points per contest, shot 44% from 3 and 79% at the free line with Kennesaw State. The three-point shooting really maintained. He shot 42% from three, 77% at the free line, only about 7.5 points per contest. He has proven that this is a guy that he does nothing but shoot threes. And for his career, a 49% three-point shooter, but for his career, his average less than a rebound and an assist per contest. He really just shoots the ball and then bails out and at five foot eleven, A little bit of an issue if he winds up going back down to another MEAC swag school. He's going to be able to make an impact and any sort of a more powerful school going to be a little bit tough for him. So he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Luke Chacon has decided that he is going to be going down to the non-evil level. Was playing at Youngstown State this last season. Was a little bit more of a on-ball defender. A guy that doled out the ball. Two and a half points. 2.2 assists per game. So he was able to do a solid job helping out the offense a little bit as a freshman. Saw some quality minutes and he has decided that he's going to be going to John Carroll University. This is actually a relatively solid D3 university but still going down to the D3 university level and this is very easy for your handicap when you wind up seeing guys go from the D1 level to the non-D1 level. All you need to do is cross them off your list of guys that you need to evaluate. Mr. Chacon, no longer someone I need to take a look at with regards to his impact for Youngstown State. Nice, clean, and easy there. So that is something that actually makes things more convenient for you this offseason. Antonio Gordon, he has decided that he is going to be transferring away from Southeast Louisiana. And one of the bigger disappointments with regards to transfers that we wound up seeing, we were talking with our good friend Brian Roth about trying to be able to find fit and with the right fit I felt like Gordon could be really good you take a look at what he did with Kansas State during the 2020-21 season 5.8 points 5.8 rebounds out there in the Big 12 he goes to the Southland Conference and he sees his numbers dip that just should not happen he averaged 4.3 points and 2 rebounds per contest. Guy is talent. 6 foot 9, 215 pounds. If he goes to the right school, he can not just be a starter at a lower level, but he could be a relatively solid player as well. But boy, things did not wind up panning out for him for Southeast Louisiana. So he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. You wind up seeing Darden Capati decide that he is going to be transferring away from Florida Atlantic, and he is going to be going to Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky, for anyone that was betting on them last season, Man, they lit your money on fire. And while at Florida Atlantic this last season really didn't do much, he wound up putting up right around a point and a half per contest. Someone who's six foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds. Gotta feel like he's gonna be in there for defensive purposes, but I don't necessarily know how he fits with Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky, one of the quickest teams in terms of just possessions per game. A team that's looking to really ball hawk, wind up generating a lot of turnovers. He doesn't really fit any of that whatsoever. So a little bit of an intriguing transfer with that regard. Southeastern Oklahoma State. I believe that their mascot is the Savage Storm because I remember they took down Tulsa a few seasons ago and that was actually a very big upset. A D2 school taken down Tulsa. That's something that you don't see very often. He has decided that he is going to be going to College of Charleston and this is sort of the special that you wind up getting with Pat Kelsey. He did this a lot while he was at Winthrop and you take a look at what he wound up doing at Southeast Oak. 
Oklahoma this last season, and he was a relatively solid player, and I do think that he's going to be able to come in right away, and he's going to be able to make a relatively solid impact, as he wound up this last season being able to give the team right in the pocket of about 11 rebounds per game, which is something that Charleston badly needs, 17.5 points per contest from three-point range shot right around 33% from three-point range, but a good six foot nine, 230-pound combo player that actually comes over from the country of Croatia, being able to lend that versatility, being able to give a little bit more size. Charleston probably needs to crank down their tempo just a little bit. They were in the top five with regards to possessions per game this season. If they could get back to what they were at Winthrop, which was more around like a 30-25-ish team with regards to possessions frame, I think that they could have a lot of success, but I think that Ante Brazovic, who winds up coming over from Southeast Oklahoma State, is going to be able to come in, going to be able to make an impact. I like Pat Kelsey, staying true to his roots, and I think that he's got himself a nice player here. So, that was a good move in my opinion. Darius Perford, Eli's season was playing at Elon. You wound up seeing Mike Schrage, the coach of Elon, decide that he was going to take an assistant coaching job at Duke. Well, Perford wound up entering into the transfer portal after being an all-CAA player this last season, and Saying to Illinois State, I actually really like what Illinois State is building right now. He wound up averaging 13.5 points, 4 boards, 3 assists, ceiling after contest, shot 37% from 3. A master of very many things, a guy that he doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but he's able to stuff a statue for you. He should see meaningful minutes right away for this team. It's an Illinois State team in which it's a little bit of a blank canvas. I do think that they're probably going to be playing a little bit slower than they wound up playing this last season when they were under the tutelage of Dan Muller, but I do think that things are trending in the right direction for you, and I do think that things are trending in the right direction for them, and I do think that this is a very solid transfer. So I do like what I'm seeing there. Isaiah Lee, he wound up playing this last season at UC Irvine, and we've got to give our ode to Ian McMillan, the biggest fan of UC Irvine. Zot, zot, he has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Was a starter during the 2020-21 season. Guards really don't see a lot of scoring with regards to UC Irvine, and that was the case for him. Shot 40% from three at five points per game and two assists this last season. Saw his minutes cut from 22 to more like 18 per contest. As we know, UC Irvine, a very just defense-oriented team. Right around three and a half points per contest. Only 1.2 assists per game. Still shot 32% from three. A career 82% free throw shooter. 37.5% three-point shooter. Gotta feel like he wants to spread his wings a little bit more on offense. And he decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Defense is certainly there. What he's going to be able to do as a little bit more of a volume score, I think that that's a big question, but I'm sure that there's going to be quite a few teams that are going to be willing to find out what he's able to provide. We were talking about these transfers, the fact that Tyrese Hunter is out in the transfer portal, and then Yuri Collins is as well. We're going to take a look at Hunter first. He was really able to light it up for Iowa State. Not a guy that's going to do a great job from three-point range. Overall for the season, shot 27.5%, and a lot of that was due to the fact that he went 6 of 9 from three-point range against the LSU and the NC NCAA tournament. Of course, I had LSU on my bracket and with regards to my bets in that game, so that made me feel very, very salty about Mr. Hunter, but take a look at what he wound up doing from January 8th on. He wound up averaging 12 points, 5 assists, 2 steals, didn't turn the ball for 12 and a half times per game, and 3-point shooting did improve, shot 32% from 3, but certainly someone that wound up making a big impact was a top 40 recruit, according to ESPN, for the class of 2021. He is going to be very coveted out there in the transfer portal. Same with Yuri Collins, who led all of college basketball in terms of assists per game last season at 7.9. The big thing with him, 
4.1 turnovers per contest, but he really did work on his three-point shooting this last season, shooting 36.5% from three after shooting 24% this season before, and shot 81.5% the free line. First two years on campus, he shot sub-67% at the free line. Not a guy that's going to give you a whole bunch of rebounding, but also a good on-ball defender, a guy that was able to generate right around two steals per contest. You take a look at what he was able to do towards the back half of the season, and he was really doing a nice job of being able to dish out the ball as well from January second on. This is someone that wound up averaging 12.5 points per contest. His assists did wind up dropping a little bit, but he shot 40% from three-point range down the stretch final month and a half of the season. So you got to feel like he's going to be someone that a lot of teams are going to be wanting on their roster. It's going to be interesting to see if Alden Epplewhite is going to be generating any sort of buzz whatsoever. He winds up coming in from Mississippi State. A little bit of a walk-on, 6'7", 200-pound gentleman that if he winds up going down to a little bit of a lower level, I think that he could have a little bit of success, but he's decided that he's going to be entering in the transfer portal, another one of those schools that they wind up dealing with a lot of moving parts. Isaac Johnson, 7'225", pound gentleman who just did not wind up seeing the floor much for Oregon. He has decided that he is going to be going to Utah State. Utah State likely going to be in quite a bit of transition this season after they wound up having Justin Bean absolutely tear it up for them down low along with Brandon Horvath and with Isaac Johnson. He's someone that, if you take a look at his 2021 recruiting rankings, he was a top 75 recruit. This is more in the class of 2019, but 24-7 Sports had him rated very highly. Someone who's going to be able to provide a big body. Now, his versatility not going to be quite that of a Justin Bean or name is Keita, but being able to get someone like that, a native of the state of Utah, that is a very good get for Utah State. I do like what Coach Odom is building over there, so going to be interesting to see how they wind up doing moving forward, but step in the right direction for them. Noah Bauman, he has decided that he is going to be going from Georgia, and he's going to be heading back out west. Well, on the beginning of his career at San Jose State, went to USC for a year, went to Georgia for a year, and now he's going to be heading to Grand Canyon. And Grand Canyon has really been able to do a good job of hitting the transfer portal. Bryce Drew, who has been now at the program for two years, this is going to be year number three, he always finds these diamonds just with regards to the transfer portal. Wound up starting 20 games for Georgia this last season, and in the SEC, shot 40.7% from three, 8.5 points per contest. He's a 82.5% free throw shooter, 3.5 rebounds per game at six foot six. Needs to do a little bit more in terms of facilitating, grabbing some rebounds, but the shooting ability is there. He should be able to come in right away, do a very solid job. Now, Grand Canyon always one of the better defensive teams at all of college basketball. That's something that Georgia did not wind up preaching whatsoever, but certainly a good get there for Grand Canyon. Devin Collins, he wound up just playing no time whatsoever at Marshall. He has decided that he's going to be going to the University of Pikesville, a 91 university. That's not something of any significance whatsoever, so we're able to move on with that. Molly Green, he decided that he is going to be going from Canisius and he's going to be heading to Youngstown State. You take a look at Malik Green, and he was an all-Metro Atlantic performer during the 2020-21 season. That year at 13.2 points, 7.2 boards, shot 35.5% from three-point range as a six-foot-seven combo player. And it looked like during the 2021-22 season that he was actually going to do better this year, but he wound up getting injured really after, I would say, mid-ish December. First 10 games of the season, he was sort of in a hybrid starter slash reserve role, 16.5 points, 7.5 boards, shot 36% from three through those first 10 games. And then from there, he was just sort of banged up towards the back half of the season. He was able to refine it once again, scoring 12-plus points in five out of the team's last seven contests. But you tell that he was affected by injuries all season long. Youngstown State, 
I actually really, really like what they're doing in the transfer portal right now. If you're looking for a school that might be a little bit of a sleeper out there in the Horizon League, don't sleep on the Penguins who actually made a little bit of run in the College Basketball Classic because they've got Brandon Rush coming in from Fairleigh Dickinson, a double-digit score, Adrian Nelson. Is a 7-plus rebound per game guy from Northern Kentucky. Bryce McBride, a double-digit scorer from Eastern Michigan. Now they wind up being able to add Malik Green into the fold. Youngstown State, very silently, having a great run of things here in the transfer portal. And Malik Green, latest of that. Ricardo Wright, who was able to do a nice job of being able to light it up. And Maris has decided that he is going to be going up a level. He is going to be playing for SMU. I don't know what sort of minutes he's going to be getting at SMU, but last season while he was at Maris, did a solid job. 13.5 points, 4.5 boards per contest while shooting 37.5% from three-point range. As a six foot four, little bit of a joker player, he's probably going to need to work on just being able to play in the interior a little bit more. But you take a look at the way that he was able to wrap things up towards back half of the season, and he was really able to do some nice work for this team as we're going to take a look from pretty much January 7th on. 13.5 points per contest. He was able to shoot from three-point range more around 35.5% from three. This is someone that's able to come in right away. He's able to lend some good contribution. Probably going to be, once again, guy that winds coming in a little bit more off the bench, but I do think that that is a very good add for a little bit of a new coaching regime as well as Rob Lanier winds up coming over from Georgia State. Did good work with Georgia State. I do have my question marks a little bit with him at SMU, especially year number one with Kendrick Davis transferring out of the program, but certainly I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job there, and this is a good gift for them. You've got Amir, a.k.a. Primo Spears, who has decided that he is going to be transferring away from Duquesne after he wound up having a very good first year for the Dukes. Wound up starting in all but three games, 12.5 points, three assists, a bright spot on a team that really didn't have a lot of bright spots now. Only shot about 30% from three-part range. He's going to need to improve that a little bit, but prove that he's able to put up big, giant numbers. Final three games of the season, by the way. Wound up having at least 25 points in all three of them, and if you really want to date it back from the turn of the new year on, final 18 games that he wound up playing in, 13.9 points, three and a half assists. John, once again, only about 31% from three-part range, but not a guy that wound up turning the ball over a lot. It just did not wind up working out with Duquesne. They wound up having no rebounding whatsoever, so that wound up setting them behind the eight ball quite a bit, but him being out there in the transfer portal, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams knocking at his door. There were quite a few teams knocking at the door of Carter Witt. He was playing at Wake Forest this last season. Did not wind up seeing a lot of playing time this year. Last season, 2020-21 season, actually, wound up getting 10 starts, had 4.5 points, 2.7 assists per contest. Guy that is not necessarily going to light it up from three-point range career, 28% three-point shooter, but he's going to be going to a Furman program that they always run very efficient offense. Furman, you got to feel like they're wanting a little bit more facilitation. He's a six foot four, do it all sort of player that probably is going to need to work on his outside shot a little bit, but someone that's got good raw ability and going down a level like that, he should be able to do very good work there. So he has decided that he is going to be going to Wake Forest. You wind up seeing Emmett Taylor the third decide that. He is going to be transferring away from Idaho State, and he is going to be heading to the non-D1 level of Eastern Oregon University, and actually did some things for Idaho State this season. Five points per contest, shot from three-point range, 38.5% from three, and in two seasons on campus, shot 45% from three for an Idaho State team that was absolutely terrible on offense, so going to be interesting to see what happens there, because he has decided that he is going to be transferring away, and this is not a program that is going to be able to replace him very quickly or very efficiently whatsoever, and Probably going to be another long year for them. We wound up seeing Isaiah Moore who was playing at Franklin Pierce this last season. He's going to be going up to South Alabama. South Alabama has been able to do a great job of being able to 
will find a wide variety of ways of being able to bring in transfers. Did not wind up playing at all during the 2021-22 season, but you take a look at what he was able to do more towards the 2019-20 campaign as this is someone that has been dealing with injuries and just a little bit of, I guess you call it general strife in general, but he wound up being able to average during his last full season, 2019-20 campaign, 37% three-point shooting, wound up doling out four assists per contest while being able to put up 13 points per contest. A guy that is only right around six feet tall, but is able to do a good job of being able to dole out the ball, a good on-ball defender. So going to be interesting to see how he winds up being able to acclimate himself to South Alabama. If you're looking at one of the loaded mid-majors that has been able to do an absolutely exceptional job in the transfer portal, look no further than Bryant. They wind up bringing in everyone's darling from the NCAA tournament, Doug Edert, along with his mustache. Now they wind up bringing in a former top 40 recruit in Earl Timberlake. Began his career in Miami. Didn't wind up seeing too many games in Miami. Only played seven games. But this year in Memphis, wound up seeing 11 starts for the Tigers. Wound up not necessarily having great numbers. Four and a half points, three and a half rebounds per contest. Got to expect that at six foot six, he's going to attempt more threes at Bryant. Bryant, a team that they took a lot of threes. They miss a lot of threes, but they play very up-tempo, much like Memphis. And you do take a look at what Timberlake was able to do towards the back half of the season. And he wound up becoming a little bit of a better rebounder for this team as well. We're going to take it from January 4th on. And he wound up in that time span averaging more in the neighborhood of about three and a half rebounds per game. So was able to do a nice job there. I think that he's going to be able to go into Bryant. And he is going to be able to do an absolutely magnificent job for them. And you take a look at what Bryant has all done here in the transfer portal. And I mentioned the fact that Edert is going to be coming in. That no question is the splashiest name that they wind up getting in because we wound up seeing what they wound up doing in the NCAA tournament last season with St. Peter's. But Chancey Hawkins, a guy that wound up averaging two seasons ago, right around 15 points per game at St. Francis of Brooklyn, is going to be coming in. They wind up bringing in Sharif Kenny, who is a big part of LaSalle. Antoine Walker, a double-figure scorer from Rhode Island. That's able to give you right around five to six rebounds per game. And then you wind up bringing in Kevon Kramer, two seasons ago as a starter at Hofstra. This is a very good team that Bryant is building right now. Dan Grosso has really hit the transfer portal hard and heavy. He is not afraid to go after these guys, and he's been able to land a few. Now he winds up getting, in my opinion, his biggest transfer yet in Earl Timberlake, and that's saying something considering Peter Kiss led all of college basketball in terms of scoring last season. So very good on them. We wound up talking about it with Brian Rolfe, the fact that we wound up having UNLV get a pair of Elijahs on Monday as Elijah Parquet, along with Elijah Harkless, decided that they are going to be transferring over to UNLV. We're going to hit on Parquet first as he winds up coming over from Colorado. Someone who wound up putting up right around 7 points per contest and was a Pac-12 all-defensive nod during the 2020-21 season. Certainly a guy that is not necessarily going to light it up from three-par range. You mind shooting 42% during that 2020-21 season, but I think that that was a product of a little bit of a smaller sample size, but he is going to guard you coming off the bush. UNLV, they are really looking to turn over a little bit of a new leaf, play tough, tenacious defense, and Elijah Harkless is going to be able to help them out with that as well, because Harkless, he was playing over there at Oklahoma this last season, and obviously the Kruger connections are there with them, as Lon Kruger is someone that wanted coaching up while he was at Oklahoma, and this last season at six foot three was really a guy that could defend most positions out there on the floor. 
10 points, 4 boards per game. Not a great 3-point shooter, not a terrible one in his two seasons at Oklahoma, right around 32.5% from 3, but out there in the Mountain West, this guy is going to be an absolute weapon, and he is going to be able to come in right away. He is going to be one of the best players in the conference. Very good day for UNLV on Monday, Rasul Diggins. He was playing at UConn this last season, a former top 75 recruit that just did not wind up seeing the floor in general. A little bit of that was bad fit, a little bit of that was injury, but... He's decided that he's going to be going to UMass, and I think that Frank Martin has a little bit of upside here with Diggins. Diggins is someone that is six foot two. Got to expect him to be handling the ball a little bit more, and with UMass, you got to figure that this is a team that, once again, is going to be playing a little bit more up-tempo, but you do take a look at Diggins, and I do think that he's going to be fitting what this team is looking to do. He is someone that is able to distribute quite well, a very good defender. Three-point shot is something that he is going to need to work on a little bit more. The mid-range is there. The three-point shot, not necessarily so much. But Rasul Diggins going over to UMass, very good get for Frank Martin. Can we expect anything else from Frank Martin? I don't think so. And then you wind up seeing a lot with Vanderbilt because they wind up bringing in Ezra Menjohn and they wind up losing Scottie Pippen Jr. Now what they're getting in Menjohn, a guy that last season was a all-Big West performer during the 2020-21 season. Missed a few games, but averaged 15 points. Three in emphasis, seal per contest. Now, three-point shooting wound up falling off from his freshman year. Freshman year, shot 38.5% from three. Last two years, 22.5% and 20% from three. But someone that makes good decisions with the ball. Someone that is able to get to the free throw line as well. That's big because Scottie Pippen Jr. actually led all of college basketball in terms of free throw attempts per game last season. A guy that averaged 8.3 free throws per game with 20.5 points, 4.5 assists, 2 seals per game. No question, Mr. Manjohn is not going to be able to take over for that sort of production, but he is going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to do a relatively solid job for this team, so I do think that they were able to do a solid job being able to get in a replacement. Now, where does Vanderbilt go without Scottie Pippen Jr.? That is a very, very good question, but I do think that they are going to be able to do their best with regards to the transfer portal. Vanderbilt has been doing a good job of hitting the recruiting front as well. So, going to be interesting to see what happens there. Speaking of NBA draft decisions, Christian Coloco, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He decided that he was going to be going pro. 12.5 points, 7 boards, wound up averaging 2.8 blocks per contest. And out of all the guys on Arizona, I felt like he was the most indispensable piece of them because Ben Matherin was no question the top scorer for the team, but what they were able to do down low with being a top 20 team with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis, a lot of that was because Coloco just wound up pretty much going a loco down low, just putting a big giant lock on any team that I was trying to get within the paint, so I think that that is really going to be hurting them, the fact that he's not going to be back, Jalen Duran. He was at Memphis last season, one of the best rim protectors in all of college basketball, 12 points, 8 boards, a little bit over 2 blocks per contest. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise, he's going to be entering in the NBA draft. This is something that we all wound up seeing coming. Now the question is, is it going to be a case which Imani Bates winds up going back to Memphis after going through the transfer portal? I think the answer is probably not. Is Imani Bates going to be following him into the NBA, or is he going to be transferring elsewhere as well? That's the real question. No doubt Memphis is going to be hurt a little bit, especially with Earl Timberlake transferring out of the program as well, but that said, I do think that they are going to find a way, and Memphis once again, a big giant recruiting class coming in as well. Javon Davis, who is playing at Mississippi State, he has decided that to UAB, and 
UAB, once again, being able to get these guys that are sort of cast-offs from Power 5 programs, and all these guys have turned out to be diamonds. This is someone who actually began his career at Alabama and saw meaningful playing time at Alabama during the 2019-20 season. That year, he wanted putting up six points, four rebounds per game. Not a guy that's going to light it up from three at six foot nine. Tried to take a couple threes, did not wind up going well from these last two years at Mississippi State. Was just really lost in the shuffle. Not necessarily because he's a bad player, but this last season, he was in the shadows pretty much of Tolu Smith along DJ Jeffries. That caused Derek Fountain to enter into the transfer portal as well. But Javon Davis should be able to see very meaningful minutes at UAB. You've got to figure that you're going to be missing some of your big pieces from last year. Trey Jamison most likely going to be out of the fold as well. So that is massive for UAB, a UAB team that not just is great on offense, but also very good on defense. Another school that has been doing a great job in the transfer portal. That would be Florida. And they wind up getting another big pickup on Monday as Trey Bottom. He was able to do very good work over there at VMI last season. 13.5 points, 4.5 boards, 4 assists per contest, all while being able to shoot about 35% from 3. That's down from the 40% that he shot his freshman year. He's heading to Todd Golden, and he's going to be playing for Florida. Todd Golden, you know that he's going to be able to get the most out of him because that's just what Todd Golden winds up doing. And man, this is a Florida team that I think that they're going to be in for a good year right away. They just need to get a good coach. I mean, you take a look at Mike White heading over to Georgia, and he's an upgrade for Georgia, no question, but I think a turkey sandwich might be an upgrade over Tom Crean, who still is indebted to Dwayne Wade to this day, but certainly very good work being done by Florida right now out there in the transfer portal. Good work is being done out there in the transfer portal by Georgia as well. We're going to give them a little bit of credit for the fact that Terry Roberts is going to be coming in after last season he was playing over at Bradley and was able to do a solid job at Bradley. Wound up averaging right around 14.5 points per contest, 5 rebounds, 4 assists per game. From 3-point range, shot 34.5% from 3. Big thing is, needs to cut down on the turnover, 3.1 per contest. We've noticed that Florida typically is a team that they generate a lot of seals. They are a team that they were a little bit loose under Mike White as well, but he also grabs a seal and a half per contest as well at 6'3", relatively solid size. I think that he's going to come into Georgia right away. He's going to be able to see some very quality minutes, and I think that he's going to be able to contribute in a big way. So that was a tremendous gift for them. You wound up seeing a pair of guys from the... Miak and the Swack wind up transferring out of the program out there in the Miak. Elijah Bowens only wound up averaging two points per contest. He has decided to leave Morgan State. Not necessarily anything big there. And then Johnny Brown is in the transfer portal. I don't think that he's going to be doing a Christmas or Halloween special or anything like that, but six and a half points per contest when I was at 4 and I'm shot 40% from three-point range at six foot nine. So honestly, a little bit of a diamond in the rough if anyone wants to take a shot on him. Someone with size is able to shoot threes out there in the transfer portal. Theo Akwuba, he wanted to begin his career at Portland this last season, was at Louisiana and was a very good rim protector in his two seasons at Louisiana. I wound up seeing a little bit of a dip in production this season, but in two years with Rage Occasions, 10 points, 8.6 rebounds per contest, 2.3 blocks per game. Shot right around 70%. The free line, 6'11", 225-pound big man. He's out there in the transfer portal. I've been talking about it quite a bit on this podcast. A big, giant glut of big man. So if you wind up whiffing on one of those big, giant targets, well, you've got another one that you're able to take a look at. I was mentioning this with our good friend Brian Ralph as well. The fact that Minnesota is getting Dawson Garcia in the fold. Dawson Garcia only wound up playing 16 games this last season for UNC. Average 9 points, 5.5 rebounds per game while shooting 37.5% from 3 as a 6'11 combo player and was a top 40 recruit during the recruiting class of 2020. And take a look at what he wound up doing in his one year out there in the Midwest for Marquette. 
13 points, 6 half boards, shot 35.5% from 3. Minnesota was a team that showed a lot of heart last season. And with Minnesota, I would say that in terms of expectations, they overachieved them a little bit, despite the fact that the record wasn't necessarily great. They gave you a good effort every single night. They were just outgunned for one with the fact that they couldn't get really any offensive rebounding whatsoever. And for two, they wanted running a six-man rotation. But Ben Johnson, he's doing a solid job over there for Minnesota. If they could just have a little bit more of a rotation and a little bit more rebounding with Jonathan Garcia, that's a good step in the right direction. This is a team that they can go far. So that is absolutely big news for Minnesota. This is big news for Grand Canyon as well. I was talking about the fact that they've been able to do a solid job in the transfer portal in recent years, and they also have Rayshon Harrison coming into the fold. Who last season while he was at Presbyterian was able to average 17 points, four boards, three assists per contest. Guy that didn't necessarily shoot it well from three power range freshman year, shot 35% from three. This last year, 24.5% from distance, but a good Monday for them as they also wind up bringing in Noah Bauman, who is pretty much a complete opposite. Bauman, someone that doesn't dole out the ball, but shoots it really well from three. Harrison, he's able to dish out the ball. He's able to do a solid job on defense already as he wound up being able to give the team right around 1.2 seals per contest in two seasons for a Presbyterian team that they really do hang their hat on defense, so that is an amazing gift for them. How about what we've been seeing out of Sacramento State as well? They wanted bringing in Colin McRae a few days ago, a seven-footer that's going to be coming in from UC Riverside. Now they get GNI Hunt in the fold. Hunt wanted playing in just nine games this last year for Oregon State, combination of personal issues and injuries. And while he was for, playing for Oregon State during their Elite Eight run during the 2020-21 season, had 5.2 points, two and a half assists per game, shot 37% from three-point range. Sacramento State, which has been just a sack of poop the last few years, they are now getting into players, and this is a team that I'm not saying that they're going to be winning the big sky this year or anything like that, but look out. They've been able to do a solid job, and you take a look at what G&I Hunt wound up doing in the month of March for Oregon State when they wound up having that big run. He averaged 6.3 assists, shot 37% from three-point range. So this is a guy that has been able to perform on a big stage now. He's going to need to have the ball in his hands a lot more than he has in the past, but I think that this is a very good gift for them. So you wound up seeing Sacramento State making some good new moves on Monday and really last few days in general. I mentioned it also with Brian Roth, the fact that BYU, not necessarily a great Monday for them as they wound up having Gideon George and Caleb Lawner both enter into the transfer portal. They're going to be missing quite a bit from last season because Tejan Lucas, he was a fifth-year guy. Alex Barcel, their top two scorers are only two guys that wound up averaging over 10 points per game. They are out of eligibility, and now you've got George and also Caleb Lawner, two of their top Four scores that were expected to come back now out of the fold. Seven points, four, six and a half rebounds per game for Caleb Blonner this last season. Someone who, as a freshman, shot quite well from three points this last year. Shot just 21% from three, but he's going to be coming out there in the transfer portal. And Gideon George was actually a Juco transfer that he shot 35% from three. Eight and a half points, five boards per contest. Gideon George, someone who's a little bit of a six foot six do it all player. Caleb Blonner, a little bit bigger at six foot eight. Both are big losses for this school. So it's going to be a little bit tough for BYU to be able to pick up the pieces there. You've got Abrim Adiba, who decided that he is going to be transferring away from Coastal Carolina. And this is going to be big for a Coastal Carolina team that doesn't sound like much, but in the basketball classic, they were able to make a little bit of noise out there. They wound up actually hosting the final of that one. And for Adiba, he wound up averaging eight points, five and a half assists per contest, shot 34 and a half percent from three-part inches last season. Stealing at per contest is what he averaged throughout his college basketball career. Not a guy that was really a 
score first guy, but a six foot six player that was able to average over five assists in four seasons on campus for Coastal Carolina. Very rare skill set there. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal, so that no doubt is going to be hurting them. You wound up seeing Elijah Bridges decide that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. He, this last season, was playing at Missouri State, and with everything that Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley wound up doing, it really left him towards the bottom of the bench. He was not able to really crack the lineup in general, so he decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. This is an interesting story with Blake Hinson. He has decided that he is going to be transferring to Pittsburgh. This is someone that has been sort of all over the map in general. Did not wind up playing during the 2020-21 season due to some personal health issues and you also wind up seeing him be ineligible in general as he tried to wind up going to DePaul and then he wound up trying to go to Iowa State. Was unable to play there as well, but last time we wound up seeing him out there on the floor for Ole Miss during the 2019-20 campaign. Averaged 10 points, 4.5 rebounds, shot about 32% from 3-point range as someone with good six foot seven, 235-pound size. Pittsburgh needs all the ability that they can get on the roster and this is a good first step for them. So I do think that a coach that winds up getting a little bit more flag than he deserves, Jeff Capel, doing a good job of trying to be able to bring in some talent. Now he needs these guys to get healthy and not wind up getting injured once again, but I do think that Capel doing a solid job being able to try to attract some talent to Pittsburgh, that's a good first step for them. Nicholas McMillan, he last season was playing at Murray State and wound up seeing right around 10 minutes per contest for a team that wound up winning a game out there in the NCAA tournament. Wound up averaging 3.3 rebounds per contest. He has decided that he is going to be going to UNC Asheville. Asheville wound up having one of the best shot blockers in all of college basketball and Drew Pember, but it's really been a little bit of a rudderless Asheville team that has been one of the worst in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Murray State was one of the most efficient defenses in college basketball. He should come in right away. Should be able to find himself with quite a few minutes. It's probably going to need to do a little bit more on the offensive end, but the defense going to be there for them. So that is a good get for UNC Asheville out there in the Big South. You wind up seeing Keyshawn Bartholomew decide that he is going to be going from Colorado. And he's going to be staying within the Conference of Oregon. And he wound up having a very nice year this year. He wound up putting up 11 points, 2.5 assists per contest, shot 35% from three. Defense from time to time can be a little bit lacking with him, and he's going to need to help out an Oregon team that they were not great on defense this last season. But I take a look at what Bartholomew was able to do down the stretch, and he was relatively solid for this Colorado bunch. From January 25th on, he was able to put up 11.5 points per contest, shot 35% from three, 85% at the free throw line. His facilitation wound up going down a little bit because there were quite a few injuries on Colorado, but he knows the conference very well. Has already proven that he's able to put up numbers within the conference, so that is a solid transfer pickup for Oregon, who always does a good job of being able to utilize the transfer portal. How about this guy staying in state, Darren Green Jr.? He's going from Central Florida, and he's going to Florida State. I always joke that Florida State has like 17 different guys every single year that they all stand between six foot eight and six foot ten, and they all shoot between 33 and 37 percent from three. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, now they bring in a sharpshooter. Green Jr. in three seasons at Central Florida, 38.8% three-point shooter on six and a half threes per game. This last season, average 13 and a half points per game. Not much of a facilitator at 1.6 assists per game. He's going to need to crank up his defense a little bit, but six foot four gentleman that's really able to light it up from three-point range. This is something that Florida State, I would say, has been lacking last few years, especially last season. Being able to get in there, sharpshooter, should be able to serve them very well. You wound up seeing R.J. Johnson decide that he's heading to the Big South from Holy Cross after he was an all-Patriot League performer for Holy Cross during the 2020-21 season. He's heading to Charleston Southern. 
Charleston Southern has been an armpit of college basketball the last few years, so this is great news for them. He during that 2020-21 season because he was limited to just seven games this last season, was relatively banged up, so hard to judge him on that, but when he was fully healthy during that 2020-21 season, keep in mind, all Patriot League Conference games, half points, 4.3 assists per contest, shot 34% per three, 89.5% at the free line. Charleston Southern, they were terrible on offense, they were terrible on defense this last season, being able to bring in someone like that, absolutely massive for them. So a great get for Charleston Southern in terms of what these transfers mean to their respective schools. Honestly, that's probably one of the biggest ones that we wound up seeing. You wound up seeing Kevin Osawi, who wound up beginning his career at Western Kentucky, is decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal this last year at Little Rock. Wound up putting up six half points, four rebounds per contest. He actually was a highly touted Juco guy playing at Vincennes of Indiana. I know about Vincennes. Very good bowling school. I was a college bowler at UW Oshkosh. They kicked our rear ends every time we faced them, so I got to give them a little bit of credit there. He was outside able to do a solid job of being able to lend a little bit of on-ball defending. Going to be interesting to see where he winds up ending up. He decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. We wound up seeing a gentleman from the state of Ohio decide that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. John Teranowitz, he has decided that he is going to be transferring away. Wound up playing four years at Ohio. Really could not get out there on the floor. A little bit of a walk-on guy. Nothing but the best, but not a lot of significance there. Not quite like we're seeing with Sheldon Edwards, who wound up playing this last season at Valparaiso. I put up some solid numbers at Valparaiso. 11.5 points, 4 rebounds, a steal per game, shot 36% from 3-point range, 78% at the free throw line, and he decided that he's going to be going to Loyal Chicago. Classic Loyal Chicago guy. Someone who's 6'4", is able to guard multiple positions. Not necessarily much of a facilitator, but does a good job with this on-ball defending. Solid 3-point shooter. Probably not going to be much of a starter for Loyal Chicago. I think that he's going to be a little bit more of a depth piece, but with Loyal Chicago, they always want to go like 8-9 deep, and this is going to be a good cog for them to be able to do so. So he has decided that he is going to be going to Loyal Chicago. That is going to be very big for them. How about a gentleman going from the non-D1 level to New Hampshire? That would be Nazim Deary. He was playing last season at Goldie Beacom. If you're wondering who the mascot is for Goldie Beacom, they are the Lightning. So there's a little bit of a trivia question for you there. A gentleman from Atlantic City that take a look at what he wound up doing this last season and he wound up putting up 20 points per contest. He actually did a very solid job with that regard. Someone who was able to do a nice job of being able to get right around three and a half or so rebounds per game. Lit it up from three-part range, shooting 42% from three-part range, and he took 238 threes last season. So, a walking bucket right there. New Hampshire has been able to do a solid job playing a slow and methodical style, but able to hit their shots. Now, you need to provide a little bit of defense because New Hampshire was one of the worst teams with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis as well. But I actually like this pickup for them. They're able to get a great, just pure shooter in general. So, that was nice for them. Aaron Cash, he was playing at Texas A&M this last season. He has decided that he's going to be entering in the transfer portal. 2.5 points, 3 rebounds per game. As a true freshman, someone who's a six foot six combo player just really didn't wind up having any sort of development with regards to his outside shot. But you can tell that after Marcus Williams wound up leaving the program, he got entrusted with a few more minutes, was mainly out there for his defense and his defense only. So going to be interesting to see what winds up happening there. And then you wind up seeing Caleb Coleman. He was playing this last season at Lipscomb. He has decided that he is going to be going to Elizabeth City State. I do not know where Elizabeth City State is, but what is being lost by Mr. Coleman is that he did wind up providing 
right around three points, two and a half rebounds per game. This last season, a 35% three-point shooter for the Bison of Lipscomb, but with Lipscomb, they did a solid job of already being able to replace him, being able to bring in someone like an A.J. McGinnis. That is a very good trade-off for them, so so he has decided that he is going to be going down to the 91 level. Speaking of NBA draft decisions, Mark Williams has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft. This is no shock whatsoever, and Duke from everything I'm seeing, they've got the number one recruiting class out there in college basketball. I don't know if they're going to be able to fully replace Mark Williams because he was one of the best shot blockers in all of college basketball this last season. A guy that put up 11 points, 7.5 rebounds, but what was really big was the 2.8 blocks per contest that he was able to lend this program. Was a little bit inconsistent towards the beginning of the year, but when Duke was really able to go on that run when they were playing very well in the NCAA tournament, he was a big reason why. And you take a look at it from, we're going to call it January 15th on, final 25 four games of the season. Average more like 13 points and 8 rebounds per game. Shot from 2 point range in that time span. 75.3%. So he was very, very efficient with his shooting for Duke. He has decided that he is going to move on. He's going to be going to the NBA draft. Once again, not a shock to anyone whatsoever. He also wound up seeing Rocket Watts decide that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Guy's just been a big, giant busseroni. We all thought that after his freshman year at Michigan State that he was really going to be able to ascend. He wound up getting to Mississippi State this last year and averaged four and a half points per contest. I mean, my gosh, if this guy could wind up getting the right fit or if he could wind up doing like anything whatsoever, man, there's a lot of potential there. He's not necessarily a great three-point shooter, but a guy that's able to dole out the ball a little bit, a former top 40 recruit, just been a big, giant calamity for him throughout his college basketball career. So he is back in the transfer portal looking for a home once again. You're going to be having Jaime Hawkes decide that he is going to be coming back to school as well. UCLA looks to be set for a very big run and with Hawkes. Really a heart and soul guy that just did it all for UCLA this last season. Got to feel like NIL money wound up helping out with this one. 14 points, 5.5 boards, 2.3 assists. Three-point shooting fell during the 2020-21 season. Shot 39.5% from three this last year. Shot more around 27.5% from three-point range, but no question, a big cog for this UCLA team. They wound up getting some very good news and what else is very good news is that this college basketball offseason, it is hot, it is heavy, we're getting a lot of news, like Julian Strother also declaring for the NBA draft. This one just wound up coming by as well. You figured that this was going to be the case once again. It doesn't say whether or not he wound up signing with an agent. I'm assuming that he's as good as gone, though, a guy that averaged 12 points per contest as a starter for Gonzaga. Also wound up shooting 65.9% on twos, 36.5% from three-point range, 5.5 rebounds per game. Guy was just a walking do-it-all player for this team, so he figured that he was probably going to be entering in the NBA draft, and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, he wound up doing so. So, as you can see, we've got a lot of news coming down the pipe with regards to college basketball offseason, and I'm going to be keeping you guys informed on all of it, and then once we wind up getting things crystallized a little bit more, we've got nearly 1,400 players in the transfer portal. I'm going to be giving you guys my preview of every single conference. We're going to be doing all my written work for VSIN, doing a write-up for every single team. And we've got some teams that were not at the D1 level last year. They're going up to the D1 level as well. I'll be doing my research on all of those. So if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, 
You're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citro, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters CM. The mean does not matter, size for usual. Please just send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Big thanks to Brian Ralph of HXCBB for joining me in the last segment, and I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the year in general. We have not missed a podcast in over 800 days, and I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.